0: This morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. It's page 812 in your Pew Bible, if you'd like to use that this morning. It's Father's Day today, and so we're taking a, just a, a short break out of our series in Paul's letters uh, just to talk about uh, our Heavenly Father and His gifts to us. Father's Day uh, is, is the day of, of gifts of ties and socks, lots of times. Um, which is typically lots of times better than Mother's Day because on Father's Day, moms are in charge of buying the gifts instead of dads being in charge of buying the gifts. And so lots of times the gifts on, on Father's Day end up being, being better than the gifts on, on Mother's Day. And that's certainly true at my house. The gifts that, that my children at least have, have given with mom's help for me have been far better than the gifts that we've given to mom on Mother's Day. Uh, I we Jenny does a great job. She works hard at at, uh, at buying gifts. She does it for, for all for all of us, including herself, uh, <laughs> throughout all of the year, and uh, and does a great job. And and that and that started. And, and you've, I've, I think I've probably told some of these stories before. It started because I have not been very good at giving gifts because I wanted to be practical. I wanted to give things that I knew she'd use. So. Yeah, you know where this is going. I I have I I I I did a great job. I got her a pan for the kitchen twice. I got one time one time I, uh, yeah maybe I won't even tell all these stories. Um, one to, and, and people and people began to hear what you know that I bought pans for the kitchen and a vacuum cleaner one time and. And so one one time, this was after Valentine's Day, one time I, I, and again, this is something Jenny wanted, but she wanted a new mattress pad for our bed, and we didn't have very much money, so you know, you had to be practical when you bought your gifts, and so I bought Jenny a mattress pad for our bed, for Valentine's Day even. (laughs) But that particular year, someone asked me what I bought my wife for Valentine's. And, and I couldn't answer a mattress pad. And so I just said I got her a little something for the bedroom. <laughs> and they didn't ask anymore. That was that was enough. So And that's my history. I know I know most of you ladies are thinking, "Man, what a catch Jenny has." I haven't been, I haven't always been the best gift giver. But this passage here in Matthew chapter 7, it's not about humans giving other humans gifts. Instead, it's our heavenly father wanting to give his children good gifts. And, And he even talks about how if... If a father, an earthly father, an evil father, a father who has a, a, a sinful nature, if he can give good gifts, then think how much greater your heavenly father, how much greater the gifts your heavenly father can give. So let's, let's look here at, at Matthew chapter 7. We'll read it together starting in verse 7, and then we'll share just for a couple of minutes here out of Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, and he says this. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if your son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? As I mentioned, this passage is in the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' longest sermon that we have, his longest teaching that we have in Scripture. And he's, he's talking here in just these short verses, he's talking about the gifts that the Father wants to give to his children, the gifts that he wants to give to his children, the promises that come to his children. And that's the first thing that we need to understand as we look at this passage is that, is that Jesus is specifically saying these promises relate to the children of God, not to all people, not to everyone who has ever lived, but these promises relate specifically to to the children god is the father in this story and jesus and and jesus is telling us that we are his children jesus tells us in john chapter 1 that to those who receive him to those who believe in his name he gave the right to become children of god we can be god's children and i think that's what jesus wants us to see here in this passage that we are the children And so we can come to the Father and we can ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock. Six times in this passage, in the beginning of this passage, in in verse seven and eight, he tells us that we can seek, ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock. There's a repetitiveness to it. Jesus tells us, that God wants us to come to him. He wants us to come, and he wants us to come over and over and over. He wants us to come consistently and persistently. Ask and seek and knock. Ask and seek and knock. This isn't the only portion of scripture where, where Jesus is telling us to be persistent in our prayer life. He tells it to us also, he tells a couple of other stories, uh, parables, when he's telling us uh, to be persistent in how we come to Jesus. He, he tells a story about a, a man who, is, who, who receives a guest in the middle of the night, if you remember this, it's in Luke chapter 11. That he receives a guest in the middle of the night and and needs some food to feed him. And so he goes to his neighbor's house and he bangs on the door. And the neighbor says, why are you waking me up? He says, I need some food for my guest. And, And the neighbor doesn't want to help. But the man just continues to pound on the door. And finally, just to take care of the neighbor, to get him off of his front door, he ends up helping. The neighbor helps the man and gives him some food for his guest. Luke chapter 18 tells us another story, the same, same idea. It's the, the persistent widow and the dishonest judge that she continues to come to the judge, bringing her request over and over and over. And Jesus says, if even a dishonest judge will sometime finally break down and answer the request that's been given, how much more? How much more will your heavenly Father How much more will your heavenly Father answer you? Jesus tells us several times that God wants us to develop persistence and perseverance as we come to the Father. I'm sure this passage has other meanings that we're to pull from it as well. I think he probably sees other reasons why we're to come over and over and over to ask and seek and knock, to ask and seek and knock. Why we're to be persistent and consistent I we to develop perseverance, I think he also probably wants us to know. I think he wants us to see that he is available for us to bring requests to him. That he wants us to see and, and to realize that we enjoy bringing requests to him because he answers and he responds with a kind countenance that it's safe, he wants us to understand that it's safe for us to come to him. He wants us to see our dependence and our need and why we need to come to him. He wants wants to build in us an expectation and a hope, a longing for those answers. I think all of those things are a part of this, this passage, but specifically what Jesus does in this passage is not tell us those things, but instead he tells us what God does not. Do as a way of telling us what he does do. As Jesus tells us in this, he says that you are to, to ask and it will be given. Seek and you will knock, and, uh, seek and you will find, knock, and it will be opened. If you ask, you receive. If you seek, you find. If you knock, it will be opened to you six times. Ask and seek and knock. Ask and seek and knock. But then, then he tells us what God doesn't do. He says. If one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will he give him a stone? Again, he says, this is what God does not do. If we ask for bread, God does not give us a stone. He does not ignore us or he does not pacify us in some way. As commentators say that, that where Jesus is teaching, the, the rocks would have looked like loaves of bread. They would have been round stones sitting on the ground. And, and the, the, the picture is that the, the, the Heavenly Father, as, as he's being asked for bread, would not lean down and pick up a, a stone that looked like bread and hand it to the Son and say, here's your bread. He wouldn't do that. He doesn't just ignore it. He doesn't just pacify it. He doesn't give a stone when the son is asking for bread. He goes on. He gives another example. He says, if, if we ask for a fish, he doesn't give us a serpent. Or, or the, the picture there is not necessarily a snake, but, a, but an eel or an unclean fish. If, if a son comes and asks for a fish, asks for something to eat... The father doesn't, in turn, give him something that he can't eat, some kind of unclean fish. If he asks for a fish, he doesn't get mocked by giving him something that, is, that he can't use that would be unacceptable for him. In Luke chapter 11, there's the same story, It's it's Luke's version of the story, and in that he says that Jesus says one more illustration, he says, if he were to ask for an egg, would the father give him a scorpion? If he were to ask for an egg, if he were again to ask for something that he would need, some kind of nutrient, would he be instead given a scorpion? And I think Jesus is telling us that God doesn't harm us, he doesn't injure us he gives good gifts if we ask for bread he doesn't give stones if we ask for fish he doesn't give serpents if we ask for eggs he doesn't give scorpions god gives good gifts in fact i would say god gives best gifts and only best gifts gifts but the problem that you and I have is we, as we read this story, as we think through these verses, we, we know that we have at times asked and seeked and knocked and asked and seeked and knocked and come before God over and over with different requests. Sometimes the same request over and over and over for days and weeks and months and years Some of us, maybe even for decades, have prayed the same thing over and over and over. And we have asked for bread, but we feel as though we have been given a stone. Over and over, we've pleaded, we've requested, we've demanded, we've done all of these things, and we have prayed, God, give us bread. And now we look, and what we have is a stone. And I think we've all had that experience to one degree or another. And I think there's probably lots of different answers for that. I can think of three answers. The first is that it's, it's not a stone. We look, we think it's a stone, but it's not a stone. It's just It's bread. It's just different bread than what we wanted. It's different bread than what we were expecting. It's different bread than what we had anticipated. It's different bread than what we were asking. We had been praying. We had been praying for bread. We've been praying for bread, but we've been praying for the enriched white bread that we like. And instead, God has given us something entirely different. He has sourdough on his mind or brioche or cornbread. It's still bread, but it's something entirely different than what we were expecting, what we had planned on, what we were asking for, what we had hoped for. It's not a stone, it's bread, after all. Sometimes, what we're holding that we feel looks like a stone or feels like a stone is not bread yet. It's not bread yet. In fact, I, the, the note I have is it's a bread Seed. It will be bread. In the moment that you need it to be bread, it will be bread. But it's just not bread yet. It feels like a stone, but it's the early bread. Or another reason why I think we may feel like we're holding a stone when we've been asking for bread is that we God knows we did not really need bread, even though that's what we were asking for. Our response is, yes, we do. Yes, we do. We need bread. I need bread. And as children, we begin to throw a tantrum before our Heavenly Father. We need bread, God. Can't you see? I'm asking for bread. I need bread. And the principle that we know in this is that children don't always get what they ask for because what they ask for is not always what's best for them. Sometimes children ask for, for things that will hurt them. Sometimes children ask for things that might harm them. Sometimes children ask for what they know but not for what they don't know which will be better for them. Children don't always get what they're asked for, what, what they ask for. And we, as children of the Heavenly Father, don't as well. We think we know what's best. We like to think that we are, that we're the smartest, that we're the most intelligent, that we know exactly what we need and exactly when we need it. And we are asking for that exact thing. We're asking for the best. If there was something better, we would ask for that but this has got to be the best. We're sure we're asking for the first place thing, not the second or third or fourth place thing. We don't ask for second best. We only ask for the best, and so if I'm not getting what I ask for, I must not be getting, I must not be getting the best. One commentator tells us this, though. He says, God gives us exactly what we would ask for if we knew all that God knows. God gives us exactly what we would ask for if we knew all that God knows. You see, this Jesus even alludes to it here. If we are evil, we who are evil can give good gifts to our children. We don't give stones when they ask for bread. We don't give Serpents, when they ask for fish, we don't give scorpions when they ask for eggs. If we, who are evil, we who are limited in our knowledge, we who are limited in our, in our ability to know and see all things, if we can give good gifts, how much more will the Father give good gifts? Because he's not tainted by sin. He's not tainted by sin by any of these things, these selfish, sinful desires that we have inside of us. We're not tainted by those things. And so God, in his perfect and sinless and loving nature, uses all of his sovereign power to give us exactly the right thing at exactly the right time in exactly the right way. This is how one commentator put it i love this quote he says if we take this passage as a whole it says that when we ask and seek and knock when we pray as needy children looking away from our own resources to our trustworthy heavenly father he will hear us and he will give us good things sometimes he gives us just what we asked for Sometimes he gives it just when we ask for it. Sometimes he gives it just the way that we desire it. And at other times he gives us something better or at a time that he knows is better or in a way that he knows is better. And of course, this tests our faith because if we thought that something different were better, we would have asked for it in the first place but we're not God. We are not infinitely strong or infinitely righteous or infinitely good or infinitely wise or infinitely loving. And therefore, it is a great mercy to us and to the world that we do not get all that we ask for. Our Father gives good gifts to his children father our heavenly father gives good gifts to his children because he is not tainted by sin he knows all things he is above all things he rules over all things he is infinitely strong and infinitely righteous and infinitely good and infinitely wise and infinitely loving and all those godly characteristics come together so that he gives perfectly the perfect gift in the perfect way, and in the perfect time. And so we can come with confidence to our Heavenly Father, asking, seeking, knocking, again and again, over and over, consistently, persistently, asking with confidence that our Heavenly Father might give us good gifts. The worship team is going to come this morning as we close. I hope this morning that you know that our perfect Heavenly Father our sinless Heavenly Father wants to give good gifts to His children He does not give rocks He does not give serpents, He does not give scorpions but He gives bread and fish and eggs exactly at the right time exactly in the right ways exactly the way that we need them. Please stand with me as we sing about our Father's love.
1: the sinner been forgiven how has the rebel been made clean or blinded eyes been made to see how have the orphans been adopted who hated your love and ran from grace despised and rejected all your ways his only son to come and rescue us he has saved us called us blameless guides us now and will sustain With kindness Your grace has colored all we see And you have promised not to leave You freely give your spirit to us So we can be sure we're sons of God And rest in the hope of what's to come Love the Father's love for us. That He would send His only Son to come and rescue us. He has saved us, called us blameless, guides us now and will sustain us. Oh, how wonderful! sufferings may fill our lives We're confident, we're heirs with Christ And so we cry, Abba, Father Those sufferings may fill our lives We're confident, we're heirs with Christ And so we cry, Abba, Father love, the Father's love for us. That He would sent His only Son to come and rescue us. How wonderful the Father's love, the Father's Now it will sustain us, oh how wonderful the
0: Father's love. Our benediction this morning comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning.